3: Terms and conditions apply.
4: Welcome in, podcast listeners. We got a loaded show for you. I'm going to dive into the Tennessee coaching search and tell you why it was such a failure in the third hour of the program. But first, we'll talk with Frank Isola from ESPN and SiriusXM. Also, an hour two, Jeff Schwartz. The drama at the NFL quarterback position continues to build for the Rams with Jared Goff. For the Texans, who now have a new coaching hire uh, for Deshaun Watson and what's going to happen with the Indianapolis Colts could Andrew luck really be in the play to potentially come out of retirement that's what Jim Ursay the owner of the Colts is pitching we discuss all that and more plus five dollar bet pays off at 55 to one pick the winner Chiefs or the bucks go to fanduel.com clay and if you pick the right winner a five dollar bet turns into a $275 payday. Go get signed up today at FanDuel.com slash Clay. The podcast begins now. Outkick the
0: coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. <laughs> now let's- you're listening to Fox Sports Radio. A
4: couple of new stories that I've been paying attention to that I think are significant. The Texans are hiring a coach, meaning that everybody has made a decision now in the NFL. And as of the moment, there are no open jobs. David Culley, uh, the, uh, from the Baltimore Ravens, 65 years old, has spent... 27 years as an NFL head coach, he will be joining the Houston Texans. So the reason why I think that is significant is the Deshaun Watson decision now will become more readily apparent as to whether or not he can be persuaded to stay with the Houston Texans or if we're going to get a full-on intriguing uh, and uh, and uncertain next several weeks, months, as it pertains to who's starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, but also as it pertains to how many different teams. And if you paid attention so far this week, I told you that I only felt comfortable with about 12 starting quarterbacks in the entirety of the NFL right now, meaning there are 20 different teams that could be in the mix for Deshaun Watson or a starting quarterback out there, which is the most that I can ever remember we have entering into an off season, And so this is, I would say, the last part of the Deshaun Watson drama because now it is put up or shut up time as it pertains to Deshaun Watson's unhappiness with the Houston Texans. Now that they have made the decision on their head coach, is he going to be able to persuade Deshaun Watson to stay comfortable and remain a Houston Texan? Now, we have talked a lot about this, and I tend to believe that even though it doesn't appear Deshaun Watson was involved in this head coaching decision or in the general manager decision, I tend to believe that the Houston Texans are not going to make the decision to move on from Deshaun Watson and that... Watson is not truly going to refuse to play, which is his only real trump card here, given that he's already under a contract. Refusing to play in the NFL, at least in recent history, has not had a substantially impressive outcome. Look at Le'Veon Bell, and essentially his career has ended. I mean, I know that he's bounced around, and I know that now he's on... I believe, the Kansas City Chiefs, which a lot of you have forgotten about because he's not even a relevant portion of the Kansas City Chiefs' offense at this point in time, uh, even with the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire injury. and Effectively, Le'Veon Bell's career as a running back that matters in the league ended, by and large, when he decided to sit out for the Pittsburgh Steelers never really made much of a difference with the New York Jets and doesn't seem to have that much time left on his career he cost himself millions of dollars and he has not gained very much in terms of being able to continue at play at a high level and making a lot more money so that is the storyline out there in terms of guys deciding to sit out now to be fair a running back has an already limited shelf life and so the decision for a player of that uh, of that position to sit out is different than a guy like Deshaun Watson who is still very young and would in theory be able to sit out and play uh, for another 15 years potentially if you look at all of the quarterbacks and their ages. It's not crazy to think that Deshaun Watson could certainly play at a high level for another decade and potentially another 15 years, which is why I don't believe that the Houston Texans are actually going to be able or willing to move on from him because I just don't think they're going to be able to get anywhere near what the value is for Deshaun Watson on the open market. Now, there are a ton of teams, if the Texans were to make the decision to move on, that would be interested in trading for Deshaun Watson, but. Here is what I always think is a significant factor. If you're a smart business person, which a quarterback should be, given that they are effectively a major corporate entity of their own, why would you want the team that is trading for you to have to give up a substantial number of assets to get you? That in and of itself should make it harder for you to win at a high level going forward. In other words, if the Texans were to decide to move on from Deshaun Watson, it is likely that there would be a Kings ransom that they would demand in exchange for Deshaun Watson. Whatever Kings ransom that team is giving up to get Deshaun Watson is assets that is going to diminish the overall value going forward of the franchise that is trading for Deshaun Watson. In an ideal world, you would want not only to force the Houston Texans to trade you, you'd want to dictate in some ways which team was trading for you and you would want to undercut the Houston Texans' ability to get a maximum value for you by effectively going public and saying you were willing to sit out if you didn't get your way. Now, I don't know how all of this is going to play out, but now is the time we are officially going to start to get some movement here because I would imagine the Texans are soon, with their new head coach, going to be officially requesting a meeting with Deshaun Watson. If he's truly not responding to phone calls and unwilling to interact in any way with the Houston Texans, then David Cully is going to have to be the guy who is reaching out as the new uh, head coach. And if Watson is not willing to speak with him or interact with him in any way, uh, that's a sign that things are not moving necessarily in a very expeditious fashion. So, that is the latest on Deshaun Watson, which is going to be a massive story going forward in the NFL, figuring out exactly what is going to happen with him. Speaking of all of the uncertainty at quarterbacks, we also have a really interesting situation where Jared Goff is effectively now back competing for the starting job with the L.A. Rams, we knew based on the way that Sean McVay talked after the game that we didn't exactly know what is going to happen with uh, his position as the starting quarterback. But you knew that that relationship between Sean McVay and Goff, which was so strong just a couple of years ago when the Rams signed Goff to a hundred million dollar extension. And when the Rams were in the Super Bowl, and not only in the Super Bowl, in a position to have a pretty good shot to win the Super Bowl. Now we got less Sneed uh for the Rams coming out, being asked directly about Jared Goff, and this is what he had to say.
0: Jared with Sean since they've started partnering together. Uh you know, Jared has more more wins than any other quarterback except Tom Brady. So there has been successes there and now the, the vision, the goal is to to look at the model, see if there's some tweaks to be made to make sure we get back to who we want to be and advance to those next two games. Okay, and finally, I'm sorry. So you can't say at this moment that Jared Goff will be on the team in 2021? What I can't say is Jared Goff's a ram in this moment. And I said it's way too early to speculate. The future, that's a beautiful mystery.
4: Let me just toss this out here. If somebody says that you are employed in this moment, and it's too early to speculate about your future, you ain't their starting quarterback anymore. Because I guarantee you right now, if, uh, if, if Patrick Mahomes, or if, if, if Andy Reid or anybody affiliated with the Kansas City Chiefs were asked a question about Patrick Mahomes, they would never say it's a beautiful mystery. No, he's our guy. And we're going to do whatever we can to make sure he's there. And oh, by the way, remember we signed him to a four hundred and fifty million dollar contract. If you are a starting quarterback and uh, you are described as being the quarterback right now, and your future with the team as being a beautiful mystery, it ain't beautiful and it ain't a mystery. You ain't the guy anymore. And I can only imagine when Jared Goff heard his uh, heard his GM speaking out publicly like that, he was like, okay, well, so much for my tenure as the Rams quarterback, it's over. And we don't know what's been happening behind the scenes, but Jared Goff was clearly not happy when he was benched. And a lot of people kind of papered it over when they went on and they beat the Seattle Seahawks because the Rams were so excited to get that win. But you can't tell me that Jared Goff, who had to come in when there was an injury, to the starting quarterback in that game, you can't tell me that Jared Goff was somehow healthy enough to stand on the sideline and be a backup, but not healthy enough to start? The logic there didn't add up. The Rams were basically letting you know that they didn't have faith in Jared Goff and they were able to use the thumb as an issue. That's why he's not playing as opposed to We've watched the film for weeks and we have such a good defense and the Rams might have the two best defensive players in the entirety of the NFL and our guy at quarterback keeps screwing up and as a result, we can't feel comfortable about our ability to get wins here. To me, two really interesting storylines coming to a head in the near future. We're not hearing a lot of discussion about Jared Goff and what's going to end up shaking out with him, but his future just as intriguing as Deshaun Watson. There were uh, times where Jared Goff was not a beautiful mystery. When they signed him to a hundred million dollar extension, wasn't a beautiful mystery what his future was. When they had him starting in the Super Bowl, his future was not a beautiful mystery. A beautiful mystery either. That is incredibly telling audio. So too the decision going forward for Deshaun Watson, who has otherwise been fairly quiet and let the media do the talking for him. Two big stories to follow as we come down the stretch run here of January in both LA and Houston, among others. We still have Philadelphia. We don't know what's going to happen there. We don't know uh, where Matthew Stafford is headed. And I continue to believe there's more drama behind the scenes coming with Aaron Rodgers before all is said and done. Beautiful mystery, indeed.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
2: tire slash sports tirerackcom the way tire buying should be
4: joined now by Frank Isola at the Frank Isola on Twitter you can find him there Sirius XM as well as ESPN Frank what's up man how you doing
1: Clay, what's up, man? How you been?
4: Uh, I've been doing uh, pretty well. You know, I'm, I always feel like this is the time of year where football's bittersweet because you've got the Super Bowl to look forward to, and this is as good as a matchup as we've ever had before. I honestly believe that with uh, with Brady against Mahomes. I mean, it's an incredible storyline. But also, then you look all across the, uh, the 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 months until August when we have football that matters again. And uh, football is fun, but man, compared to every other sport, the offseason is just so massive. Uh, But I do think we're underplaying how incredible this accomplishment is for the NFL uh, as we get up on the bye week here and get ready to roll into the weekend. Certainly the conversation on the Super Bowl will increase substantially next week. But how amazing is it that the NFL is, it appears, and knock on wood, you know, certainly this football uh, season as well as any of the sports seasons have taught us to be humble about whether or not the games are going to be played. But it appears not only is the NFL going to be able to complete its schedule, it's going to have every game played and it's going to do it on time, which is pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And also, you know, watching the championship games last Sunday, you know, there were, there were people in the building as well. Yeah. which also kind of added to it. You know, we have two new we have two teams here in New York and not one or I should say New Jersey technically and not one of them played games at home with fans in the building. Buffalo obviously got a playoff game with fans which was pretty cool. I think what helps football, you know, you can almost create in a lot of ways your own bubble because there's really no travel involved even the Super Bowl, right? One of the teams getting there. On Thursday, Friday, or something uh, think, like that, it's going to be.
4: I think the Chiefs have said they're not going to get there until Saturday. I mean, they're treating it like a totally normal weekend game as opposed to the Super Bowl. Yeah,
1: and I, I, think, I think that certainly helps. I think as opposed to a lot of these other sports, even um, you know college basketball, the NBA, baseball, where there was more travel involved, that, that you could see some complications there. But football kind of creates its own bubble. You know, You kind of know where everyone's going to be at all times. Most of the time they're going to be at the practice facility.
5: Yeah, but it, it is
1: it, it is remarkable that they pulled it off. And I was always one of these people. I didn't, you know, even if they had to push things back a little bit, I've never been, I, I've never had a problem with the idea of maybe the NFL uh, push back into a couple of weeks of February. There's nothing going on in February anyway, yeah. and the playoff games are played in cold weather. What's the difference of the cold weather in late January or a couple of weeks later in February for a championship game? That's so they they had a little time to play with. But you're right, the off season. Is absurd in the NFL. They, they're gone for a while.
4: We, t- we started off the show talking about the drama at the quarterback positions. Uh, what is Deshaun Watson going to do? Jared Goff now seems to be under fire in terms of being the guy going forward for the Rams. We have a tumultuous offseason coming at the starting quarterback position. And also, we have guys that are demanding that they be traded, that they be put up in other positions, I- at other uh, locations. I find this to be fascinating because the quarterback in the NFL, to me, the, the big story of Brady is he goes to Tampa Bay, virtually nothing else changes, and he alone, uh, in conjunction with obviously the, the the rapport that he has with the team as the season has gone on, puts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And given that the NFL is a copycat league, I think there are many teams out there that are looking around and saying we're a quarterback away from being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ourselves, if anything, Brady this year is just further solidifying how the NFL market, as it pertains to players, there's quarterbacks and then there's everybody else. You buying that idea?
1: Yeah, I, I've, I've always been of the belief it's the most important position in sports. Now, the one thing, though, and I, I guess been, there's been some talk that there could be 16 to 18 or different more. starting quarterbacks yeah. this year and next season in the NFL. Mala, you know, when you watch Brady play and, you know, the next night LeBron played, and the one thing about the two of them, you know, they just raise the level of everyone there. There's a certain quality about them that they're not only great players, but they're also really smart players and they know exactly what they need in order to win. I, I think Matthew Stafford, I think probably it's time for him to be on the move. I don't know why Houston would trade Deshaun Watson. The thing with, so two things. Jared Goff, number one, something's going on there. Because Sean McVay kind of took a subtle shot at him late in the season. And then the guy did play with a surgically repaired thumb, <laughs> like, you know, less than a week after having surgery. And he did win a playoff game on the road at Seattle. And it's, clearly there's something up there that they're looking to look at him move on from him. And Deshaun Watson, you know, everyone looks at the numbers. Oh, he had a great season. How can you have a great season in your team before and twelve? And if you look at it, I looked at it. His first four games, and again, I like Deshaun Watson. And if the Jets have a chance to get him, I would absolutely go out and get him. But his first four games of the season, they didn't score more than twenty-four points in any of those four games. He had six touchdowns and three interceptions. And here's the big one: they went zero and four. Yeah. In the NFL, your season is over when you start at zero four. So I get it. He put up very. Big numbers later on in the season. They went 4-12. and 12. I, I looked it up. You look at guys, whether it's Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. Like, nobody goes 4-12 for their fourth year into the NFL. So I get it. Maybe the situation with the coach wasn't good. The organization may be not be great. His teammates may not be great. They still went 4-12, and 12, though. Like, doesn't he have to take a little responsibility for that it's it seems like it's everybody else's fault but but the quarterback and you and I are just saying how important the position is
4: usually when you go four and 12 the reason you do that is because you don't have a quarterback usually the reason you pay a hundred million dollars to somebody is because it basically takes four and 12 off the table now Texans could be a special case I think there are a lot of details you can dive in there but big picture The NBA has turned into a league that is often as much or more entertaining off the court than it is actually on the court, and that's because of the player empowerment. They can force trades. There's constantly malcontents, people not happy with their team, people happy with their team, all these different moving parts associated with uh, NBA teams. Is it going to become more common for quarterbacks, I know we've had guys like Jalen Ramsey and Antonio Brown who have kind of forced trades, but by and large, they don't matter enough in the larger universe like a quarterback would. Do you think this is a sign of the future where quarterbacks, even guys making a lot of money, are constantly sort of belly aching, creating angst, and making things uncertain in the NFL in a way that they have not been at the quarterback position for much of the past, you know, 20 years or so, which is you go draft a guy if he's good, you keep him under contract for basically his entire career and hope he wins you a Super Bowl. That has been the long-time recipe for success in the NFL.
1: I think this one, this situation is going to be a bit of an outlier, outlier. And I think part of it is, you know, the one thing when you're one of these organizations and you go to a player and you say, everybody does it with their star player, you know, we want to give you input. So he's giving them some input and he says, you know, could you interview Eric Bieniemy for the head coaching job? And could you maybe do this? Just go along with it. It doesn't mean you have to hire the person that he wants. You know, it's still up to the owner and the general manager to hire who they want. But if you said you're going to give him some input and then you don't listen to anything he says, it, it's going to rub the guy the wrong way. And I think Deshaun Watson has done very well in Houston. I think the way the organization played that bothered him a lot. It is interesting to see because you don't get a chance to see this very often. And even in markets, like, I mean, you have Josh Allen in Buffalo. Josh Allen would probably be in Buffalo for 20 years. If if Josh Allen played uh, in the NBA in, in a town like Buffalo, he'd probably be thinking, I need to get out to L.A. at some point. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You've never heard, even though Aaron Rodgers said he doesn't know where his future is, but Green Bay is most likely just going to hold on to Aaron Rodgers. So it's still something about the NFL where when a guy goes to his team for the most part, He feels pretty comfortable there. I I have a funny feeling this will be more of an outlier. And I just think the situation has a lot more to do with ownership and management with the way that they kind of didn't keep him in the loop on some things and him feeling a little ticked off about it.
4: I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, but I don't know if you saw Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, come out. Uh, And I'm going to read a couple of quotes from him. The Colts obviously don't have a quarterback because Phillip Rivers has retired. And it feels like it happened a long time ago, that Andrew Luck just decided to walk away from the game but Ursay uh, said uh, and and I quote uh, he knows talking about Andrew Luck how much we'd like to have him be our quarterback there's just no question about that but at the same time we know for it to work out he has to be the one that says you know what I'm ready I want to really create a little bit of history and unprecedented aspects I don't know if we'll see that. I think he's happy. He's raising his daughter. He has a wonderful family. He's a great Colt, and he knows that he can come back anytime he wants. But at the same time, we respect that he's made that decision. Kind of interesting because Andrew Luck obviously has set out the past two seasons, wasn't feeling well with his body, couldn't seem to get healthy. He's still not that old. I think he's only like 31. Uh, do you think there's any way those quotes from Jim Ursay? that Andrew Luck could be thinking about coming back, or do you think he's a guy that we'll never see again? It's interesting that that would circle back up as the Colts are trying to make a decision at quarterback.
1: I think that the Colts, A, would love to have him back. I have a funny feeling that maybe they've heard some things. Where, it's interesting, you know,
4: right, those like, quotes?
1: Exactly. I, I think it's almost that's almost like a love letter yeah, to Andrew Luck where they don't want to put pressure on him, but you know, maybe they even planted the question, ask about Andrew Luck, and then here's your mercy. He's going to go on and on about how much they'd love to have him. It's, it's an interesting one because that's something that you very rarely see. But he had, some, he had some significant injuries when he played. But to your point, two years out, and it, Brady keeps playing, as we know, and you could see what happened on Sunday because of the love of competition. He doesn't need the money. He loves, he loves the idea of being out there competing, and winning, it still makes him feel like he's a little kid in the backyard. I think that's what keeps LeBron James going. They have the love of competition and wanting to win, and that's what still drives them. And I have a funny feeling Andrew Luck has that, too. To me, he's just going to have to balance whether or not he wants to do that from a physical standpoint if he wants to put himself through that. But if I'm Jim Say, I think that's a pretty smart play, what he did right there.
4: Well, remember, they built that offensive line to try and protect Andrew Luck after yep. all the hits that he took, and there's now – Pretty good film. I mean, Phillip Rivers can't move, right? And they protected him pretty well behind that offensive line. So if you were trying to make the case to Andrew Luck to come back, there's a whole year worth of footage that you could put in front of him and say, hey, Phillip Rivers is the least mobile quarterback basically in the NFL. And we were able to keep him from getting hit very much. And he played at the age of 39 before deciding, hey, you know, I'm ready to hang it up. Are you interested in coming back? Uh, and in that uh, same uh, interview, Ursay also said that he kind of kind of joked that he stays around the facts in case Andrew Luck wanted to put in the "I'm back" uh, facts. You know, similar to Michael Jordan when suddenly he came back after hanging it up for a couple of years and returned to the game. It's a pretty intriguing idea to just get floated out there uh, amid all this other drama surrounding the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, and you know you talk about getting hurt, and you think about you know Tom Brady who never runs, who just sits in the pocket. That's why I worry about some of these guys. Watching Josh Allen, and even Patrick Mahomes, they those guys got to be careful. I mean, Josh Allen is looking to like run people over, and that that that's not going to last forever. And Mahomes, no, that was a simple run that he had, and it didn't even seem like that big of a hit that he took, and he ended up getting a concussion. Then all of a sudden, his status for the championship game was up in the air. Uh, and maybe Andrew Luck would have to change the way that he plays a little bit because I think he is an aggressive guy and he did take some big hits. But he's smart enough where I think he could probably pull it off. It's still going to come down to how much does he miss the game? How much does he miss the competition? Because, Clay, here's the thing. We know this from players. Michael Jordan is like this on the golf course. The reason why he bets and he's crazy on the golf course is he misses the competition. Yeah. To me, it would come down to He'll be weighing how much do I miss the competition to how much do I want to put my body and put the risk out there? Because clearly there are guys like Tom Brady, who's what, 43? Yep. Who's fine doing it. He, he, he's willing to, um, to, to risk his, you know, his health because he enjoys playing and he enjoys competition that much.
4: We're talking to Frank Isola at the Frank Isola on Twitter. You can see him uh, on ESPN. You can read him at, or listen to him at SiriusXM. You've covered Tom Brady for a long time. You've talked about him a ton, as anybody has, who's in the world of sports an absolute ton over the past 20 years or so as well. What does his trip to a 10th Super Bowl and doing it with a new team do to you to the narrative arc of Tom Brady's career? And what is at stake for him as it pertains to whether or not he wins a 7th Super Bowl uh, out of 10 or goes 6-4? and four? Does it really matter much in the grand scheme of his legacy?
1: Oh no! Come on, getting to ten Super Bowls is incredible, and two—you could say he had a couple of wins where he was a little lucky. Well, yeah. he was also very unlucky in a couple of those losses, like both against Eli the, for sure. Yeah, though. I mean, David Tyree, who by the way grew up right up the street from me, who caught the ball on the on his head. You know, so yeah, he got a little unlucky in those games. Now, there's a radio host, or he used to be a radio host in New York, who said he'd rather be Joe Montana. Going four and zero in the Super Bowl than doing what Tom Brady has done, where Tom Brady has lost. Well, here's the thing: if you go, if you know Joe Montana did go four zero in the Super Bowl, but he didn't just play four years yeah. in the NFL. There were other years where he was wasn't even getting there, getting there ten times, and then to do it this final time. Now, who knows if it'll be the final time against uh, you know doing it with Tampa? Well, granted, Tampa had a very good defense. He's got very good weapons, but it also shows how smart he is, knowing that if I go here, I think we can do it. But he's elevating a franchise that is just like, yeah, they won a Super Bowl a bunch of years back. But for the most part, it's just been another team in the NFL. That, that to me is also the impressive part. And he did it with by winning three road games and doing in the last two against you know all time quarterbacks with Drew Brees and also Aaron Rodgers. And Clay, here was my thing about the game on Sunday. In the moment of truth, Tom Brady had the three interceptions in the second half. I still think two of them were basically glorified punts. In the moment of truth, when they needed to get into field goal range, he did that. When they needed to get first downs at the end of the game to to ice it, he did that. In the moment of truth, Aaron Rodgers, who I think is a great player, obviously, probably going to be the MVP of the league. In the moment of truth, when he could have run, maybe scores, maybe gets stopped at the one or the two-yard line, and they're probably going to go for it. In the moment of truth, he threw the ball into the ground. And the yep. last three plays of his season were awful. So Tom Brady somehow finds a way, to me, that's that certain quality that he has that I just don't think Aaron Rodgers has. Aaron Rodgers is going to the Hall of Fame, is a great player. But that, to me, is kind of the difference between the two of them.
4: I mean, Brady beat two first-ballot, no-question Hall of Famers in Aaron Rodgers and in Drew Brees back-to-back on the road in his first year with a brand-new team to put himself into a Super Bowl. That's pretty incredible. Uh, you yeah. have covered a lot of games over the years, I'm sure, involving the Yankees, involving the Red Sox, paid a lot of attention to them. It's one of the great rivalries in all of sports. Yesterday, I don't know if you heard any of it, but we had Kurt Schilling on the program uh, reacting to Major League Baseball. So the Major League Baseball writers don't put somebody in the Hall of Fame for the first time since 1960. Kurt uh, Schilling says basically, Hey, if I had never said a word about politics, I would be in if I were a Bernie bro or if I were a big Biden guy, Obama guy, I would be in. You've written and talked about sports for a long time. Is the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame selection process broken? And what do you think of Kurt Schilling's comments yesterday about his being left off of the Hall of Fame list?
1: Well, I do think there are probably some uh, reporters, uh, baseball writers, I should say, who don't think that he's worthy of the Hall of Fame Based on merit, and I do think there are some who are keeping him out because of some of the things that he said post-retirement, which I think is a little unfair. Like I said to somebody yesterday, if Willie Mays on his on his deathbed said, "You know, I think the insurrection was justified and the election was stolen," we're not going to take Willie Mays' plaque all the Hall of Fame. Right. It's going to stay. I I will say this, and I go back so far that I was at the game. This is all the way in '93, I think it is, or '95, whenever it was. When um. Toronto played Philadelphia in the playoffs, and it was a game five, and Kurt Schilling had to; it was got the start, and the Philadelphia has to win to save their season. He pitched one of the greatest games you're ever going to see. And you look at his performances in the postseason. To me, that's what, from a baseball standpoint, that to me is what puts him over the edge. The 11-2 and record, you know, go ask the Yankees what they think. You know, it, when he wasn't feeling 100%. You want to talk about character in terms of an athlete's character. The guy wasn't nearly 100% in the, that bloody sock game, he goes out there and he takes the ball against a great Yankee team on the road, you know, the curse of the Bambino and all this other nonsense, and he pitched one of the best games you're ever going to see. So for me, I think he's a Hall of Famer based on his pitching performance. And I I, I still think, you know, the writers do this. I remember I, co- I covered the Mets a million years ago. When I was just starting out. An old-time baseball writer told me, I'm not voting for Eddie Murray because he was always a jerk to the media. And I remember thinking... Yeah, I mean that could be true, but it's not based on that. And, you know, it should be based on how the guy is as a player. You know, Eddie Murray is a Hall of Famer. I mean, the guy had like a you know, like massive career, and I think Kurt Schilling. You want to debate the baseball, but I still think the way that he's uh, his performance on the field puts him into the Hall of Fame. I, I was surprised. I thought he was going to get the seventy-five percent because last year he got seventy. He only went up to seventy-one. I actually think he's going to get it next season.
4: I think he's going to get it. Even though he asked to be taken off the ballot, I think it's a bad look for Major League Baseball because I do think the vast majority of people out there believe Curt Schilling would be in the Hall of Fame. And it's interesting because there are lots of debates, that, uh, but for is poly. there's a lot of debates we could have. Like, how do you handle steroids? What should happen with Pete Rose? Where I think there are really interesting arguments on both sides. I just, I really don't think that there's very much of an interesting argument with Kurt Schilling, right? I think most people out there who look at his resume say, from a purely baseball perspective, he's in, and you know, whatever you think about Bonds and Clemens and uh, and and even Pete Rose, there are legitimate debates that you can put on either perspective. There doesn't really seem to be one for me with Kurt Schilling.
1: Yeah, you know, every year I watch that Hall of Fame show. MLB Network does a really good job. So they did a uh, feature with Tom Verducci. It was kind of like a Tom Rinaldi kind of thing with Tom Verducci, and he's sitting there talking about his ballot, and he fills it out, and he's got Kurt Schilling's name there. I'm thinking, uh, Kurt Schilling must be going in. Then they throw it up to Cooperstown, and you know they have this big, it's this big pomp and circumstance. And then the gentleman, I think it's Tim Mead, he reads from a prepared statement. He's going through the whole thing, the voting process, on and on and on. Then he gets to the end, and he says, and for the first time since. 2013, we do not have anyone that's going into the Hall of Fame. I'm thinking, do I have to sit through this whole yeah. darn show for you to say, why couldn't you tell me
4: before the show that nobody's going in? I mean, come on.
1: I thought that, that, was, a little, that was a little weird that they went through the whole thing just to announce that no one's going into the Hall of Fame.
4: Uh, outstanding stuff, as always. Frank Solo. hopefully we'll talk to you next week, Super Bowl week, and uh, hope you have a good weekend. All right, Clay. Take care.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
2: dot com slash sports, tire rack dot com the way tire buying should be.
4: Eddie Garcia, what you got for me?
5: Well, news from the NFL where it looks like all seven head coaching vacancies have been filled with the Houston Texans reportedly hiring David Culley as their next head coach. He was the Baltimore Ravens passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. He's never been a coordinator, but he does have 27 years of NFL coaching experience. College football, Tennessee has hired Josh Heupel to be the Volunteers' next head coach. He was 28-8 in three seasons at Central Florida. He's a former starting quarterback at Oklahoma. NBA 76ers, edge of the Lakers, 107-106 in the battle going in of best verse, best in the East versus is best in the west philadelphia now 10 and one at home this year lakers fall to 10 and one on the road with their first road loss jazz beat the mavericks 116 104 utah now takes over the top record in the nba from the lakers they're 14 and four and they've won 10 straight spurs beat the celtics 110 106 and the nets in double in uh, overtime beat the hawks 132 128 kevin durant 32 points james harden 31 points college basketball number two baylor now 15 and 0 with a victory. Also wins for number 13, Ohio State, number 14, Wisconsin, number 16, Florida State, number 17, Creighton, and number 20, Virginia Tech. We'll be back to outkick the coverage, but first a word from Farmers.
0: Call 1-888-Farmers and you could save on your auto insurance. It's better than using your phone to see if your post got any likes again. Call 1-888-Farmers to get a quote.
4: We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
5: Underwritten by Farmers, trucker, fire insurance, exchanges, are affiliate products not available in every state. Now back to Clay Travis and the Farmers, Outkick the Coverage Studios.
4: With reports out there, the Texans are going to officially announce their new head coach. Let me bring in the crew here, go around the horn. Do you guys think that Deshaun Watson will now have his anger, uh, his discomfort, his dismay with the franchise put to bed? Or do you still think he's going to be advocating in some ways, publicly and privately, for a trade What do you think Danny G I think that ship
1: has sailed I think I think think it's done yeah the relationship was fractured it doesn't seem like they can get it back to where it was before all this mess
4: how would you break it down dub you think that Deshaun Watson is a quarterback for the Houston Texans on uh, whatever opening day is in September
3: I think he probably is he's so good I don't see how the Texans could possibly let him go unless they got you know an offer that they couldn't refuse
4: Uh, Godfather style, maybe a a horse head in the bed and everything else. Uh, What about you, uh, Eddie Garcia? You've been doing updates a lot, and I'm sure some of them have involved the drama of Deshaun Watson over the past uh, month or so. Does this help to put it to bed with the new head coach hired, or are things irretrievably broken in Houston?
5: I I don't think either, to be honest with you. I think it's still fixable, but the organization there appears to be um, definitely on shaky ground. I don't know if they know what they're doing. And that doesn't help the situation. I I think Deshaun Watson will still be the starting quarterback at the start of the season. But I think there's still work to be done. I think it's still possible to repair this. Um, I don't know that this coaching hire is going to do a lot unless this guy David Culley reaches out to Deshaun Watson immediately and starts to try and repair this situation but i i think Deshaun Watson will continue to be unhappy but when it's all said and done he'll he'll be at quarterback for the Texans on the season starts.
4: i do too um and and we started talking about that uh, a while ago i just think he's got so much talent that they have to figure out a way to make it happen and i'm not saying the Texans are going to be great for the next couple of years because certainly they got salary cap issues they don't have a lot of draft pick capital because of the trades that they've made uh in you know that'll be certainly salt in the wounds for Texans fans to watch the Miami Dolphins draft with their pick or trade their pick at number three for assets I just find it hard to believe they're not going to be able to figure it out as uh, we now have got all of the coaching hires made uh what about you Roberto what's going to happen
5: yeah I I think he'll still he'll still be there by the the time the season starts but it's definitely going to be unhappy
4: all right, when we come back, I want to dive into this Andrew Luck news. These quotes that are out there from uh, Jim Irsay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. Kind of fascinating that he would decide to drop them right now. Is it possible that Andrew Luck could be contemplating a return? We'll talk about that. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Oh,
0: oh.